So I was uh, driving out of my apartment complex literally yesterday, the other day, however you want to classify as the day, because it doesn't matter. And this lady was coming out to her car from the pool. Now, across from her were like eight or nine stranded kids of who live in that neighborhood from abandoned moms, our general managers, our Arby's, so they're never home because they have to work 16 hours a day. But let me tell you, they were roasting her beef. Um, Because, <laughs> boy, she had a special going on, all right? So I was driving out in the neighborhood, and this lady, at insult to injury, was putting her baby or a kid into her car seat or in the back seat. And look, when you don't go to the pool or the beach or the lake or any of these bikini settings in a while, you kind of forget how typically people dress in those settings. And I was like, damn, those are some thick cheeks from afar. <laughs> like from at least 200 feet, I was like, damn. Am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? And the person in the passenger seat was... And as I was driving up and up, I'm like, well, damn. And all these kids were just looking across at this lady's cheeks. It was borderline predatorial, if you want to be honest. Like, if honestly, if you want to talk about actual, like, policing of public indecency, like, this was public indecency because it was indecent to look at. Now, like, criticizing people's bodies. But she had nothing but mass on her. Um, <laughs> and uh, let's just say I would take her to mass because obviously... Like the priests and her, they don't care about their children. All right. Um, but yeah, no, I was driving by and I was like, damn, I know I've been to the beach a while, but something about this sticks out. And the lady I was with was like, that is absolutely horrendous. Who the fuck would go out like this? And I'm like, all right, I knew something didn't seem right in my Spidey senses, but boy, I would cast a web over some mass cheeks. All right, but yeah, no, this lady be serious. It was like a blatant public nudity of the cheeks. Like, there are thongs, which I'm assuming what she's wearing, there's bikinis, and then there are. Yeah, I just technically have like a string of my butt cheek. And I honestly didn't even see the string. If you were to pull the string, let's just say you'd be playing the violin. Because I would uh find the note on cue. And uh, kind of like the note that her baby daddy left her and said, I can't be with a whore. Yeah, she gave off very whore vibes. Uh, oh, it's not great to label whoever like that. It's like you went to a pool with like eight eight-year-olds on a weekend. And they just basically got a free OnlyFans, a free Pornhub preview. Like you're going to be the one that introduced them like, man, what are these things that the kids at school are talking about? Because I got a real life version. They probably took a shitload of pictures of you on their Snapchat. And I don't know, is it called child... Pornography, if the child takes a picture of you, hey, I don't know. But yeah, moral of that is, is like, hey, um, don't show all of your cheeks in front of the eight and nine-year-olds, because they will make fun of you. And when I pass by, I'll get uh, some displeasure from the lady I'm with, because I'm like, damn, look at them cheeks. I mean, it was a lot of cheeks. I ain't even gonna lie. But yeah, tongue in cheek. <laughs> Welcome to episode 205, I think, of the Often Beat. It's probably 204. I don't know the episode numbers. Ignore the episode numbers I say in the actual episode until you actually see it on the thumbnail or until you actually see it on the title because it's really irrelevant because there's a lot of varying reasons for that. But yeah, welcome to episode 20 blank. Of the Often Beat Podcast with Clint Nelson. I am your host, Clint Nelson. Don't forget to like, follow, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell. 
But most important, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to suck some titties or smack some cheeks at the pool. Because uh, let's just say she could float on my noodle. <laughs> I'm kidding because she was honestly very unattractive. All right, that's actually probably worse to say. I didn't have to put that detail in, but, you know, the jokes are the jokes. Oh, Jesus. Um, but, yeah. Speaking of sinking ships of mass, um, apparently the Titanic expedition searching. They'll be like, hey. Do you guys want to see where the Titanic sank? We're going to go down the same path, but nothing bad's going to happen to us. And this Titanic expedition tour thing, as you would expect, it went awry. You would think that paying $250,000 would cover a few things and would ensure you're, at the very least, that you come out alive. But let's just say that's not how insurance works. Um... <laughs> But I do find it kind of, I, I don't find people dying. And I do think it's kind of odd that people are like, oh, because it's billionaires that are millionaires and billionaires that are able to afford this and all that stuff, nepotism. It's like, oh, well, you know what? No one really feels bad for it. No one's actually taking this stuff like actually like on a sad note. People are like, oh, well, that's a for 1% problem. That's a uh, rich problem, you know? I do find weird. It's like, okay, but human life is still lost. Um, and people are very focused on the fact that like, oh. Like it's uh, because a billionaires lost their life. It's like, oh, well, you know, they've been taking advantage of us the whole time and all this stuff. So good riddance. And it's like, that's a heavy generalization. Because it is an accident. It is a natural accident if people were to die in a car in a car crash or a plane crash and it was a bunch of billionaires dying in a plane crash and it was hijacked and it was a terrorist attack did we just be like hey i know it was a terrorist attack but you know what they were billionaires anyways is this weird thing that we feel really comfortable that just because someone has a mass wealth that it just desensitized of how we want to sympathize their death. Um, It's like, look, is it absurd that someone's like, hey, in a real life, not a museum, like they actually went deep down in the ocean to see the Titanic and they're like, hey, this didn't really work out for the people the first time, you know, a hundred and, you know, 10 years ago. But hey, or 111 years ago, I guess, technically. But hey, you know what? For us, with all this technology, the Bermuda Triangle doesn't exist for us. Um, and I know it's not in the Bermuda Triangle, but actually the Bermuda Triangle has been debunked. It's not really a quote-unquote real... I watched like a Johnny Harris documentary and he is on uh, YouTube. He actually does a lot of very specific small documentaries about things and the Bermuda Triangle is actually not even like one of the most like questionable parts of the ocean in the world. Um, where there's a lot of suspicious activity. It's just very kind of convincing and random for specific things, seasons. Hey, there's a lot more questionable areas. But anyways, yeah, it's like, hey, this Titanic area. Yeah, you know what? Um, We're going to be the ones to be like, it won't happen to us. And then it happened to you. But it's funny how a lot of people are making jokes about it. And we're very comfortable about making jokes about people with means dying. But if it was someone on a roller coaster getting their head decapitated. Or some kid for comes from a struggling working class family. $30,000 a year falling off the roller coaster. It would not be the same. Well really. Whether you want to say the roller coaster. Or someone deep diving in the Titanic submerged tourism. Going deep in the ocean. Whatever the fuck you want to call this thing. They are both really not necessary for the people that participated in. But yet just because someone's rich we want to be desensitized to that. And I guess it's like we've become this culture that 
Anytime someone with money, something bad happens to them, we automatically just have this defense thing like, oh, well, you know what? So be it. They're more of a negative to society than the working class people. It's like, you know, you have your opinions about people with money, nepotism, keeping the money in the family, I guess. But someone dying, going on a voluntary that's supposed to be a like a trip to Disneyland. Like if a seven-year-old or eight of a 14-year-old kid, teenager, died at Disney World with money that comes from a money family and they died on a ride or something, I, I don't think the tone would be the same about how comfortable people are, people dying from this thing. Is it completely unnecessary and dangerous of what happened? But you know what? People would have a lot more sympathy if someone went in the ocean and got attacked by fucking shark surfing. People would have a lot more empathy or sympathy if someone went, you know, deep sea diving or swimming with the turtles. And then all of a sudden the turtles like, get off my back, bitch. Um, <laughs> it's like, you know, you remember on Finding Nemo when they had that deep funnel, that tornado thing in the ocean that basically took them all over the world like if someone got caught in that riptide type of shit we would all be having this sad story about oh my god what happens when adventurous people get lost in the world and wonder and then the sea just takes them by it's just natural human evolution but it's tragic but all of a sudden you want to attach money to it and people being millionaires and billionaires that can afford to pay $250,000 to go to the most dangerous parts of the ocean. Yeah, all of a sudden we want to become these ass wipes about it. But these are the same people that want you to care about things in the world that they barely care about. But they want to have these stamps on Right and wrong. If you truly care about people. And you truly care about things. You don't just care about someone because they're poor. They're down on luck. You care about someone regardless of their status. Because you're supposed to be the bigger person. If you truly are supposed to care about these things. But honestly what I realized from this Titanic situation. This expedition tour that went awry. Is that people only care about things when they feel that uh, the financial aspect or people's status isn't a threat to their beliefs. And it's not threatening how they actually view a situation. Because if this was a situation where it only took, let's just say, $200 to go into this expedition thing, right? Let's just say it took $200. That is something that a working class that could save up money for. If this happened to a working class family of a hardworking man and a good family and kids died and all this stuff, for some reason, this whole story, a lot of people's reaction would be, rest in peace, pray for the fallen, condolences, this is so tragic. But since it's someone, people make millions and billions of dollars, all of a sudden it's like, hey, this is, it doesn't matter. A loss of life of someone rich is just more for us, right? It's like, that money's not going to you. So, you should care about someone's life regardless of how much money they make. And that's what this situation really is supposed to be. You see the online reaction, you see how people, just look at the situation. I think it's absurd that the thing, like, why would someone want to go deep down the ocean to see a sunken ship that's probably rotted and has got a shitload of algae on it? I don't know, algae crumpler, because I'll give you that tied in, baby. For some reason, algae crumpler, if you're an Atlanta fan, you would think he was like the Gronk of his area, like the Rob Gronkowski of tight ends. And he was just like, you look at the stats and you're like, yeah, he was all right. It's like a top eight tight end in the NFL, but you would have thought he was fucking Gronk or Travis Kelsey or some shit. But I don't know. Anyways, back to the subject. Um, but yeah, I guess the moral of the story is is that um 
people's resentment for people that have means is really exposed in this situation. And we want to be in this very sensitive society as a culture and all this stuff. But if you want to be a sensitive person and care about things, you got to be the bigger person. Even when you don't think those people care about you, when things happen, those people, you got to show that like, hey, I care that this bad shit happened to you. It doesn't matter if this shit was a voluntary exercise because you know what? If you, like I said, if you went on a roller coaster, you went to a water park, you went to anything, you got in a car accident and do something stupid. We would have much more tragic just because of your status. Tragic because of your status. Damn. Well, that sounds like a good title. Um, but it's just actually kind of, it actually kind of annoyed me. And I'm not rich. I'm not someone with means. I don't come from a family of means. But I've always found weird of people. And I think it kind of deals back with people. And it kind of starts in that middle school and high school thing. That high school range where you shit on people for actually having. Like we all knew people that grew up in a very affluent household. That had money and all that stuff. But I've never understood as a kid. Even in real time. I've never resented someone for having more money than me. I've never understood that type of feeling of resentment for someone for having something that I don't have. It's a crazy thing. Like, I don't know where that comes from, to be honest. Maybe it's the heavy social media. Maybe it's, you know, at that time, the heavy news, like the the main news you get your news from type of thing. Like, there's a lot of things where it's just like, I don't get it, man. I really don't. I don't get resenting people for having more than you have. I don't re- get resenting people for doing better than you. Quote unquote. I don't res- I don't understand resenting someone for making more money than you. Even to this day, I'm not that way. Because I realize a lot of things in one's control. And to see people kind of joking and making fun of this shit is actually really aggravating. And to be honest, like that shit is actually really aggravating to me. And I'm not someone that really cares about people's lives like that, as shitty as that may sound. But what I mean by that is, is like I'm not sitting here worrying about every life that's lost and all that stuff. But, you know, I also not going to shit on a life just because they had a better upper hand in life than I did and oh well you know what you died doing stupid rich people shit um <laughs> hey look maybe there's a place like hey doing unnecessary but you know what if an innocent person were to die doing skydiving something they pay 300 bucks for there would be a national oh my god this is so unfortunate this person was a traveler this person was gonna change the world they had a biomedical degree And they were so fucking smart, they decided to jump out of a fucking sky, pay 300 bucks just to fall on the ground over an iffy parachute. But no one would feel any type of real logical reason for how stupid it was to do that action. But doing this action, because it involves a lot of money, and something that's very rich in general. Because when you really look back at the Titanic, that was the elitist of elitist participating in that activity so it's like elitists visiting the dead elitists it is like those ghosts like davy jones and you know and there's some theories that maybe it's like you know uh the real atlantis it's the real underworld that took them you know there's all these conspiracies of course that in the sea there's like underworld within the underworld Because think about so many people die in the fucking sea. That's why they're salty ass bitches. Hey, Um, because you see the salt and you see the bitches that are salty. A lot of people die in the sea. You know, we worry about people dying on Earth. You know how many people have died in the fucking ocean trying to explore and explore the world in the early 15th century, 16th, 17th, 18th centuries? And all these ships dying in these bad storms and these unadvanced dumbass wooden ships that weren't 
pinpoint it correctly. And they had a fucking compass be like, hey, we'll probably land in Greenland. And then all of a sudden you're in Australia. Even though I think they're actually pretty close. But you get the jizz. Um, it's like, oh, we landed in South America. Ah, we'll just take that instead. Um, ooh, nice papayas. <laughs> All right. But no, it's this, uh, in the underworld, the under the sea, there's probably a lot, like, I'm surprised, like, if you believe in voodoo, if you believe in ghosts, if you believe in demons and spirits, you don't think underwater, there's not more than any, it's gonna look like Scooby-Doo. Remember Scooby-Doo when they're on Skull Island and they have that big tub of all everyone's souls because everyone's been taken over by those little gargoyle devil demons little fuckers? Like, under the sea is just filled with just unidentified, unfounded, disappeared people who just want to be heard. And you don't think, I don't know, I, don't, I didn't look up how many people died on the Titanic. I'm assuming it's thousands. It was a pretty big fucking ship. Um, you don't think there's thousands of fucking dead people that are like, oh. You don't think you're coming down with this Jack? No, you're not surviving. Like, even at least Jack and Rose, I think that was her name in Titanic. At least Jack and Rose had to survive on a float. And then that damn bitch Rose was like, I'm going to let you freeze to death. Um, <laughs> Goddamn bitch. I don't remember if that's her name. It's been a while since I've seen Titanic. It used to be my grandmother's favorite movie. Um. So I've seen it quite enough, but it's been a while. It's been a while. And uh, it's been a while since the Titanic has sunk. And a lot of people have really sunk in their opinions, deep opinions, their depth on conversations of this being a, oh, only white people would do this shit. And actually, let me tell you the weirdest thing. Is that actually earlier, when I was at the gym, I don't know if I read this headline correctly. This is kind of random. But there was this exclusive interview preview teaser on Fox News. Of a, and the title was a wife. It was a woman in like a black shirt. And it was like this deep. Like literally these people just were declared dead three or four days ago, I think. And her, the title of the video was like. The wife of two dead passengers. And I'm putting that together in my head. As I'm doing my. You know. Underhand pull downs. 180 pounds by the way. The boy is getting buff. Um, really strong actually. And I'm looking over in between my son. Like wait. The wife of two passengers. Does that mean one of the passengers. Didn't know that she was married to the other. At the same time. Or was it she was with someone at one point in time, divorced them, and married someone else in the same expedition, in the same time frame? How fucking convenient. So this bitch is collecting two alimony checks, if I had to guess. This bitch is cashing the fuck out. And now she's going to be able to write a fucking book about how she fell in love with the sunken Titanic expedition explorers it's like oh my god um but yeah this was a titanic mistake of an episode all right but yeah i would hit the iceberg but baby i'll drop it like it's hot drop it like it's hot i'm a yakuchi drop it like it's not drop it like it's not all right but yeah i guess the moral of all that is is like hey um, if you truly feel like everyone's life is equal, then regardless of their status and money, it doesn't stop there. Treat every death with the same respect as you would someone who doesn't make as much. Regardless of what they do. Because poor people do a lot of stupid shit too. We go fucking, we do a lot of stupid shit and die. And we wouldn't want to be shamed for that because we're just trying to live. 
We're trying to live our best life. Because guess what? I'm sorry. But if you had $250,000 to go deep down to see the Titanic, you would probably think about it. And now, and actually there's this thing where Virgin Atlantic, the Virgin Company, which no one actually, like here's the thing about the Virgin brand, the phone brand, is that Richard Branson's name is bigger than the company. And I don't think anyone actually buys Virgin Company phones, Wi-Fi technology, or anything. But the brand is so big that he has so much fucking money that he's launching to go up in the space for almost twice as much as these people died under the sea. What's more dangerous? Going under the sea are going up in space. And to go up in space, to go up in this Red Bull looking fucking plane, like some of you have seen those Red Bull stunts, like, oh, look at me, I'm going to go up in space, like technically 200 feet above the stratosphere, and I'm going to jump off, nosedive, and be a fucking bull, and be like, hey, I'm an astronaut, bitch. And you got to pay $450,000 because they're going to have 17 fucking windows on the plane and be like, hey, look, you get to see black sky and stars and space. And then immediately once we get up in space, the things are going to blow up and you all die. Or we're going to nosedive right down and catapult down so we can survive. And we might survive. We're probably going to land in the water. Probably go deep down. And we might drown down there in the Titanic. And then we're just going to be a big virgin Titanic death. Um, And then we're just... That's $700,000 a death a person at that point. um, If you combine the two things. And the worst part is the timing of this announcement. Like, after all this, you guys going to wait a couple weeks... These extreme adventures of seeing things that are very deadly. Unproven too, by the way. $450,000. Yeah, I don't know. If I made $5 million a year, I would probably consider it. Honestly. That's only what, like a... Like a ninth of your paycheck... Of a year? Like that's literally like a month and a half or two months of work. To go up into space. It's actually not a bad trade off. And you probably sign off as a business expense the way this stuff works. But I don't know. What the fuck do I know? Um, But yeah. Alright. Next topic. So yeah. um, I don't think I've talked about this. But. Shannon Sharp, and I know I'm like really late to this stuff because I post way later than I actually record the episodes, but you know, Shannon Sharp carries a lot of weight. Shannon Sharp has officially left Undisputed with Skip Bayless. This is old news, but it's still relevantly current, if that makes sense. But Shannon Sharp, yeah, he officially left Undisputed. And they kept their farewell respectful and all that shit. And um, I feel like, for one, Shannon is going to do something that's a lot different than debate. Here's what I think about people. I don't think Shannon is one of those people that has to do debate to be interesting or for people to go see him. Because think about it. If Skip Bayless, he has to do debate television he has to do extreme debates of hating and being on a contrary side of a lot of things for people to give a fuck about him when you watch the transition from how different Shannon Sharp is from like before he got the FS1 he got fired from CBS Sports if I remember correctly and he was a whole different broadcaster because in that restraint where you have to fit into other people. He is someone that's got to shine. And. I think what. People are like. The funny part is like. Oh. Shannon will never forget what Skip done for him. And all this stuff. It's like Shannon is honestly the only fucking reason. That show is bearable. That show was bearable. And. 
he has honestly surpassed Skip Bayless. And I hate when we live in this world that because someone helped you, like, get your name on the map or give you an opportunity, we got to live in this world where, like, you always got to give that person this instrumentable amount of credit and respect and, like, they're still above you. It's like, no, Shannon is way above Skip Bayless. And if you don't believe me, all you have to do is look at their podcast. Go on YouTube, look at their podcast views. On every full episode of Club Shay Shay, and both Skip Bayless show and Shannon Sharp show, Club Shay Shay, they are run by FS1. At least they were until whatever recently with this contract or whatever. But Club Shay Shay's consistently getting... Half a million, 800,000, a million. Some of them getting a million plus per full episode plus Eclipse. He has over a million subscribers and he got them pretty quickly. Skip Bayless is barely getting, and I'm not criticizing someone getting just thousands of views because I would die for a thousand views. But when you're comparing of what people actually go on the show for, because YouTube will actually tell you who someone is more interested in when they both do their own thing who do people care to listen to shannon he's more interesting he has a much more broad perspective his takes aren't as predictable and he has actually the ability to be like be able to actually well round his thoughts and you believe them and also, the thing about, like, I've watched Skip Bayless' show a little bit sometimes, and it's like, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's like, he's literally reading off a paper, which I guess is great because it shows that he preps and all that stuff. But I don't want to listen to a podcast where it's so prepped, and he's just looking down at a paper doing a monologue for each fucking topic. You know, I don't, you know, I have, I guess, the paper for reference or shit, but like, and that's the thing when I'm watching, like, you see like, oh, I think Skip saw like, oh, I'm the real draw of the show. And if I'm the real draw of the show, why do I still have to play second fiddle to someone who has to do extremes to stay relevant instead of actually having an interesting perspective or personality actually because really skip bailey's personality is not really interesting it's it seems very it seems very contrite it seems played out with shannon you actually feel like you're getting a version of real shannon you're in an entertainment form of shannon and then you're getting a analysis form of shannon which from any radio host any analyst or any person on television it's that trifecta that we as an audience look for. We look for the we look for the real Shannon, your personality that comes out naturally that you can't fake. And that's like with his mannerisms, his sayings and stuff. You can't come up with those sayings just sitting in a hotel room for five hours. You know, in between shows when you're traveling and staying somewhere for the week. Like, that is from pure youth. And he has found a way to magnify and fit him in at the right times. Then there's the entertainment where it's the, it's the humor part. Like, their Hennessy, their Gatorade bets, their Mountain Dew bets, or whatever the fuck. And, like, he throws in the little jokes and stuff for less serious topics, you know. My homeboy, you know, that type of thing. And then there's the actual analysis when they need to get serious about what a football team is and a basketball team. There's actually a real breakdown analysis. And there's actually a real, like, oh, really? Because when I watch, they can't box out, they can't rebound. If you can't rebound, I mean, it's like there's actual real analysis. And obviously being a foreign player in the NFL, that helps them a lot, especially when it comes to football. Skip Bayless literally relies on... The same tactics that I think people are starting to see are kind of played out. No one really buys when you are, and I think 
the worst thing that actually kind of happened to Skate Billis was Shannon Sharp's growth. Because what we see now is that when you have a trifecta, when someone hits all the boxes, and you're very, you check a box and a half, you were just very extreme and divisive in your takes. And literally the thing when we think about Skip Bayless is, hey, this man is not going to budge on LeBron. He's going to love Tom Brady no matter what. He's going to hate on Patrick Mahomes no matter what he does. It's like it's this resistance to change. And that's really the issue. That I think people have with Skip. And I think it's really played out. And when you're... Like Stephen A was interesting at the time. But Stephen A was willing to play along with the game. And I think Shannon got to a point based off certain things. He was just not willing to play the game anymore. Because it just wasn't right. And I respect Shannon for that. Because a lot of people would see someone like, oh, this person, he put me on and all this stuff. But sometimes you got to see the situation for what it is and be like, I'm actually, let's look at it now. Let's be real about it now. I'm the fucking reason people come to this shit. I'm the reason people give a fuck about what you got to say and what I got to say. People care more about what you got to say in response to what I got to say more than what they give a fuck what you got to say. There's a reason why I go first. Shannon always went first in all their debates. And my belief on that is because I feel like Skip Bayless couldn't set a strong enough tone for a debate with Shannon. Because he knew Shannon, if Skip would have went first, would have debunked everything then, there, and that. So Shannon always went first. Because you know why? Because the way television works, based off whoever goes first... And what the first person opinions could be dependent on whether someone stays in that topic or not. And Shane was more interested in entertainment and entertaining where if he went on a rant and went on a whole little soliloquy, people were more likely to stay than if Skip went on a whole little soliloquy about something. Look, that's just my observation. I'm not an expert on television. But when you observe and watch the stuff on a can. On a daily basis. And it's kind of weird honestly. I don't watch TV. But I watch the YouTube clips. So like now that I haven't seen any Skip and Shane YouTube clips. When they would be there. Every fucking day. Monday through Friday. Like six clips. Seven clips from the show. And that would be like a form of my entertainment. Not having that. It has been very different. Um. So. But no. Going back on topic. My thoughts on the Shannon Skip breakup is I think honestly Shannon probably wants to go do something that's not sports debate television. He may stick in sports, but honestly, I can see Shannon doing a Michael Strahan. I don't think that's actually out of the possibility. I think Shannon could probably do like a Today Show. He could do a good morning. I don't know what's going on with those shows, but I'm giving the type of show. He could do the Good Morning America's, Today Shows, the, you know, I can honestly, you know, honestly, I can see Shannon Sharp being on The View as like a guest appearance. I can see him debating with like the Joy Behars or the Whoopi Goldbergs about some shit. I honestly could. Because I feel like he, he has that ability to match the energy in the room, but still... Stand out and not like mold into the room. Shannon has that great ability to match the energy of the room and understand, but not mold to the point where you just blend in. Like you still stick out with what the fuck you're saying. And I think honestly, Shannon and honestly, I think Skip, if if they continue doing undisputed or debate or a debate show in his name. They're going to pick a less polarizing person. They may even try to do the first take thing now where it's just a collection of people week by week, day by day, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, this person, this person based off whatever day, what's going on. And I and that's why no one watches the first take anymore. People like Stephen A. Smith. 
But Undisputed was blew was blowing first take out of the water because first take became too individualistic centric. And um a debate show is supposed to be two people that you rely on having a great dynamic to make it interesting. So I don't that's why I don't think the rotation of guests work. It may help someone ego, it may help keep a direction and a sole vision of the show from an individual standpoint, but it doesn't actually really create real consistent conversation, debate. It doesn't create real consistent feeling of what the audience is getting. So um I think Shannon he might do something a little bit different from sports. Shit, honestly, here's the theory. I just thought of it. He may start being a color analyst to do like football games. He may go to CBS. He may go back to CBS and get a fucking bag. Like a bag. Like he sees what Troy Aikman's getting. Troy Aikman's getting paid 18 mil from ESPN. Joe Buck is getting paid 15 mil. Obviously, he would be the game analyst or color analyst, whatever you want to call it. I think Shannon Sharp could call a game with real great. Um, and he's mentioned like on the show when he watches games, he doesn't listen to the commentary. Because, you know, commentary can sway what you're seeing. It can distract. Because he wants to see everything he's seeing from his own point of view. Which, you know, I think for his job, I think probably that what makes him. Because he's probably in, while he's watching, he's literally calling the game in his head as he's watching. And I think maybe, maybe, he may become the lead analyst calling games somewhere. Just my theory. So yeah, I love Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp is honestly my favorite personality on television. Bar none. You get everything with him and he's genuine. But uh, yeah, anyways. Um, but yeah. Oh, Jesus. Um... Uh, there's this thing, you know, there's this negative thing for us pretty boys. Um, not really me, but I was actually watching, for example, I was, I like watching fitness YouTube. Um, I'm, I've really gotten into fitness and, well, I should say I've gotten into working out because I think lifting weights and fitness aren't necessarily always the same, but I've been watching a lot of Alex Eubank. Um, I actually don't really watch like a lot of his content, but I was watching it with a lady, let's just say, and she was actually kind of disgusted. No, I want maybe disgusted a very strong, but she was actually very, she got the quote unquote in her words, she got the ick looking at him. It's like, oh my God, he's way too pretty. Like, uh, I'm like, yeah, but do you see this man's delts and shoulders? Um, this dude has a crazy shoulder pump, and you're saying you got the ick. And that showed me that lifting weights and being strong as fuck and working out in the gym means absolutely very little of how, whether a woman actually finds you manly or not. And that was my hard lesson about that. But no, she legitimately looked at him and said, hey, like, yeah, I actually find him really, I don't want to, I would never want to be with anyone. More prettier than me. And I'm like. No one said he was. I'm having a Mark Norman moment. Um, <laughs> it's like no one said he was prettier than you. It's like. We're just like. I'm just watching. It was like. I never thought for a second like. Yeah like he obviously. He has highlighted hair. Like he has a long. It's not really long. He actually has less long hair than me. Shorter hair. I don't know why I said less long. But he is just kind of like that Cali surfer type of mid hair. And highlighted or whatever. Um, Just look him up. Alex Eubank. He's a, he has over a million subscribers on YouTube. So it won't be hard to find. He's a very nice looking dude. He works out. 
He's a fitness influencer specifically. He's an aesthetic influencer. Like, he's more focused on the aesthetics of his body. He's not necessarily, like, a mass, big-ass dude. He's a very lean, strong, cut, well-put-together guy. That sounded kind of sus. But you get the jizz. Um, and she said, like, look, she's like, Oh no, he's he. You definitely tell he tries way too hard to stay like looking pretty. And I was thinking to myself like I've been called a pretty boy, and not like legitimately purple. Like you know, Clay, you look like a pretty boy. You kind of have that pretty boy feel. And then they also say the next sentence. You know, Clay, has anyone ever told you you're a? I'm not even gonna say the word. Um, <laughs> I would never say the word anyways. But yeah. Um, I'm someone that appeals to a lot of different vasts of populations, let's just say. I think there's a heavy intrigue in me, per se, when it comes to that, but I'm not the subject here. But what she was saying is like, hey, like, yeah, like, he's way too pretty. I would never want to be with someone more pretty than me. And I'm like, so you want to be with someone... That you feel is kind of below your beauty standards. That's what I'm thinking in my head. I didn't actually say this out loud. My head when he's just saying this is like. So you would volunteer. So you would not be with someone because they are quote unquote in your eyes more attractive to you. That is very kind of egotistical narcissist that you always feel like you've got to be the most attractive person in a situation it's because you're afraid that they would be so attractive they'd be getting so much attention do you think that someone who has highlights and is a pretty boy in that sense is someone that's so into themselves that they are not actually you know manly because they're focused on their looks and appearance instead of a lot of other things. Like, alright. But that was never clearly stated. So, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It was just an interesting thing to me. Because I'm like... It's just going to show that there's this never-ending body dysmorphia. It wasn't really body dysmorphia, but... You know, it's like this thing where it's, if you're so damn attractive to the masses, if you are considered on the general level attractive, it's a problem. But if you're not attractive enough, you're not even a problem to think about. So it's the thing, it's like, there is a thing about being so attractive that people build an ick or resentment towards you because you can come off as a pretty boy as a guy, or you come off as you get the ick, which I honestly think the ick that girls say, Oh, when he does this, I have the ick, or there's something about him about this, and it brings the ick. It's like, I don't think the ick is actually a real thing. I think it's this made up thing that is kind of to justify things that you can't really justify, so you unjustly put a label. And put a thing on someone that you don't really have to explain. But it's just a feeling. But they have to accept that feeling. And that really gives me the ick. It makes me sick. It doesn't make me want to lick your tick. It doesn't even make me want you to lick my dick. Um, <laughs> But no. No seriously. But like yeah. And what that showed me is like damn. And she thinks... Looking like him brings the ick. That means looking like me is like, oh my god. This disgusting looking fella. And I'm like, oh. So you're saying the striations in your delts and your shoulders don't actually matter. So you're saying I should stop going to the gym and just focus on my Makeup on my face. And facial structures. Maybe choose some really, really tough gum. So, I don't know. Um, That really exposed me like, damn, we are in a losing... We we as men are in a lose-lose society. And, yeah. 
So I guess the moral of all of that, this whole pod, is that, hey, don't be rich because if you have any income of means, think about it. If you are someone and you have a success, let's say at the age of 34, you work all these jobs and you're just getting by through life, but you have the side hustle and that side hustle becomes your main hustle. And all of a sudden you become a best-selling author, best this, best that. And you start making tens of millions and hundreds of millions of dollars in a matter span. And then you die. All of a sudden, people look at your death a lot more cynical and be like, oh. Think about that. People don't actually want to be happy for people when you're... Think about it. If you were to die when you had money, how many of your friends would actually feel bad? That's what all this Titanic shit showed. And don't be too pretty because they'll have the ick. So, and uh, Shannon Sharp is the reason why. Honestly, I'll follow Shannon Sharp wherever he goes. I will not follow Skip wherever he goes. So that is the thesis and morals of today's pod. So yeah, that was episode 20, whatever the fuck this episode number is going to be. Of the Often Be Podcast with Clint Nelson. I'm your host, Clint Nelson. Don't forget to like, follow, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell on all apps. But most important, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to suck some titties. And I'll just put this at the end since no one makes it to the end. Uh, this is the first podcast I've done in probably three or four episodes where I was actually completely sober. And I realized looking back on some old episodes, like, damn, I should really not drink before episodes. Um, you know, I just did to kind of try some things out. Nothing wrong with drinking, but when you have to speak for 50 minutes and when you need to be focused and awake, I just want to appreciate you guys and appreciate you guys for sticking with the pod. And I promise this pod is going to get back on track from the consistency and back to the root of what this podcast is all about. And that is sucking some titties. All right, guys. Have a great, great, great day or night. Whenever this is posted, enjoy. My shiny teeth and me.